Hi everyone, and welcome to the second half of our Manufacturing Podcast. With myself, Alex Wilson, and Dan Humavenenko, and Steve Walker from the BPIF. In this episode, we discuss streamlined energy carbon reporting and sustainability in the manufacturing sector. Enjoy. I guess the next thing is, what is SECR? Yeah, uh, well, it's another uh, <laughs> energy energy industry abbreviation, of course. Um, <laughs> stands for Streamline Energy and Carbon Reporting. So, as Steve mentioned, the uh, the Carbon Reduction Commitment Scheme, or CRC for short, um, was abolished in April 19. Um, the, the revenue side of that was lumped onto the CCL. So, that was recovered through tax in the bill uh, in an increase. And the reporting side of things were changed slightly and uh, adapted into streamlined energy and carbon reporting. So the um, the previous reporting scheme for carbon uh, CRC, um, you were captured based on your consumption. So there'd be some massive organisations that were just underneath the threshold because they didn't uh, consume enough energy through a half hourly meter. I think it was six million kilowatts through a half yeah, hourly that's meter. Right. Six million, yeah. yeah. Now, if you look at a housing association, for example, I know this is a printing uh, predominantly call, but if you look at a housing association, they could use, you know, millions and millions of kilowatts through non-half hourly meters, but they weren't having to, um, you know, disclose their carbon footprint. Um, and they, they're even closer to the end user or the consumer, which is the public. Um, so they, they re-sculpted the scheme and... Um, made it quite similar to another acronym, ESOS, Energy Saving Opportunity Scheme, whereby, uh, has anyone got a bingo card for all these acronyms? <laughs> we, need to pro- we need to produce a glossary at the end. Yeah, <laughs> sort of an acronym swear jar. Pop yeah. every time. <laughs> We'd be rich. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the, the way the government now see you as a large organisation from an energy perspective is if you... Um, if you have more than 250 staff or a turnover of 36 million or a balance sheet of 18 million. Now, if you tick any of those three criteria, you have to comply with streamline energy and carbon reporting. And effectively, what you have to do is you have to report in your company's house submission, your end of year accounts, what your energy uh, consumption was for the business in kilowatts and uh, the equivalent CO2. You've also got to include transport, which is an absolute pig, as many of you will know. And I'm sure yeah. Steve will vouch for us on that, on the where you've Absolutely. done the carbon footprint project. Absolutely. When I'm doing companies' carbon footprinting, it's not too bad doing energy. It's not too bad doing water. You've got the bills. Doing transport is an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Absolute nightmare. It's not something that people always keep data for, is it, I guess? No. no. You know, you, you ask for mileage, and then when I'm ch- when I'm checking it and auditing it, and they've got 4,000 miles. And I go, yeah. oh, that, that's a bit of a round number, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not suspicious at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so they, they've got to include that. Um, and they also have to include an intensity metric. So for those of the members that have already got a CCA, I guess you just adapt your, um, your specific energy consumption intensity metric, which is kilowatts versus, is it meters squared for you? Square meters, yeah, 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 yeah. meters squared, yeah. Um, but some some organisations that are captured will be measuring their kilowatts versus pound of revenue or square footage of retail space, for example, depending on the sector. Um, and you've also got to include what energy 
um, reduction initiatives you've reviewed within that reporting period and the reporting periods of the, the financial year so it could be that you've got Bob Jones from Solar Limited to come and have a look at solar panels on your roof and decided it wasn't feasible as long as you log that in there that you've looked at it and it wasn't a feasible project at that time then great but obviously so you don't actually have to conduct the project just as long as you've you know had some initiative to look into it okay not at all um and the 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 compliance scheme itself is just to report so there's no financial um benefit or financial uh, fine let's say by not performing well the only issue you then have is that it's in the public domain so any of your customers any of your you know potentially if if they were that nosy some of your end users of products that you manufacture and might your review your company well yeah and your competitors they might go on company's house look at your report and say well actually three years into streamline energy and carbon reporting we can see printer x has actually increased their carbon footprint whereas we've decreased here you go mr supplier can i have all your packaging requirements so th there's things like that that people need to consider as well uh, and the idea of the it's this year, Dan, isn't it, that, um, that, that many of them will have had to, have to report? Yeah, so uh, the first full financial year following April 19. So anyone who had the uh, financial year end aligned with the tax year will have had to report. Well, the first one will have been due in June or July. I think they give you three months grace from the end of your, your uh, financial year end. And I think they actually extended that due to COVID as well a little bit. But yeah, many many of our customers, we've had to prefer, prepare their reports for them um, for their first report and already. Yeah. So, and is this something that you know people are just going to you know complete stick it in the bottom drawer, or is there any other benefit to this? Because you know it, it sort of sounds like a box ticking exercise, really. Uh, it, it is a box ticking exercise, in all honesty. However. A lot of well i'd say a lot a, um a lot of customers have good intentions or a lot of um end users have good intentions around it um but a smaller percentage are using this as a bit of a strategic goal to try and improve their sustainability credentials or their green credentials um and because it's going out in the public domain it makes them more conscious about it it's a bit more transparent and that was the intention of the government by creating that reporting requirement for these larger businesses make it transparent make them accountable and if they've got to keep reporting it in the public domain every year then they're going to be conscious about it um certainly in line with net zero and will this replace esos no so it's another add-on yeah an an another jobs for the boys as many of people i speak <laughs> to described it but um no, ESOS will continue every four years. So as it stands, phase three is due in December 2023, if I've got my years right. Um, and as it stands, there's no difference between phase two. So you've still got to report everything that you've done before and conduct the site audits on a percentage of your your estate. But um, yeah, SECR is an annual thing, whereas ESOS is every four years. And it's mandatory, isn't it, for those that, that comply? It is. Yeah, it's, it's not a voluntary thing like CCA. If you're captured, you've got to do it. And if you don't, you risk fines or worst case scenario, you get struck off company's house. Oh dear. Well, that's no. uh, I, I, I think, think one, one of the things to come from that, I, I, I think this important in, in my experience of doing um, 
carbon footprinting for companies as well is that you need to have that energy intensive metric. I hate the word metric because it's just, why don't we use the word number anymore? That energy yeah. intensive number. Um, because when I go into when I go into a company, uh, I just ask them, how how's your year been? And they'll go, oh, yeah, we're, we're, do we're doing more than we did last year. And I'm, go and I'm thinking, wow, that means your carbon footprint's gone up then, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and particularly in print, because paper is 70% of the carbon footprint. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and therefore, if they've used more paper, the carbon footprint's going to go up. So the only way to get any sense out of that, rather than just use the bold figure, uh, you know, 720 tonnes of CO2, is to have it per something, per employee per turnover, per... The, now, that gives you more of an idea of how the company's doing than just just saying the ball figure. Yeah, no, definitely. Making it relevant to that business. Yeah. yeah. Or relevant to the order book. Or relevant to the customer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What, what is it that the customer wants? I think what's what's happened over time is that there was some momentum for, for environmental improvements. Um, and then the last recession came and knocked it off course. And since then, um, the uh, the demand for tighter environmental controls has been increasing, increasing, increasing. And for companies to show their uh, environmental credentials has been increasing, not quite at the rate it did before the last recession, but but it certainly has. And then, of course, the plastics hit, um, yeah. and um, and that really started to galvanise people's view. And I think plastics, perhaps as much as um, as as much as this 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 COVID issue and and how we all saw you know the, the everything clear up when we weren't out and about um, those two things coming together I think that that effect will only galvanise um, companies' response to environmental issues uh, rather than the last recession which knocked it sideways a little bit. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I can't see it going backwards either. I think businesses want to come back to a greener version of what they were. Um, and I know, I know certainly from our customers, we've been working with them for some years on mapping out their road to net zero and how they can reduce their carbon footprint. And we've done roadmaps and decarbonisation strategies to, to name a few things. But even in Enco as a business, we've gone through a bit of a change recently where we had to comply with ESOS, which kind of flagged it to us actually we've got a, a reasonable footprint of carbon as a business and yet we're going out lecturing companies on how to reduce it um so we went through a bit of a, a hard look in the mirror and said right hang on let's change our supplies in the office to green so we we uh, reduce all of that co2 from our electricity supply it, it's a tenanted off we're a tenant in an office that we're not the landlord of so we're reasonably limited with what control we have over yeah. Um, you know, other tenants within the building, for example, but we we gave all of our staff an awareness training on energy reduction and energy conservation measures. Um, we also did an environmental topic on our e-learning um, internal intranet, so all of our staff are now more environmentally sensitive or aware. Um, and then we we decided that we go for the ISO fourteen thousand and one accreditation, so the the environmental. Um, ISO. Um, we we looked at what remaining CO2 we had, and the majority of it was transport. Uh, obviously, not anymore because I'm not sat in my car driving up and down the M6 all day. But <laughs> um, 
I, I did push and see if we could get a Tesla, but they weren't going to sign that off. <laughs> you didn't get your Tesla? Um, I, I got mine. No, no, nice one. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I got offered a, a diesel or a pair of roller skates, so I chose the diesel. <laughs> um, no, so we, we, we looked at our company car policy and our fleet and reduced what um, you know heavy emitters we had within the fleet or removed them. We encouraged our staff to use um, more efficient vehicles um, through the company car fleet, and we've got a couple of EVs ourselves. Um, and then the rest of it, you know, Unless you you're going to go out and spend a load of money on Teslas or you know completely change your business, you you have to offset. Um, so we we made the conscious decision that we wanted to be a carbon neutral business. So we offset through a credible partner. So now Enenco can say we are 100% net zero on on a carbon perspective. Um, as far as I'm aware, we're the only consultants in the UK that that are in that position. So it's quite a good. Um, place to be but I guess it, it made us certainly think of you know we're going out and advising our customers do this do that and we're not actually had a hard look at ourselves so we've we've made that step and we can help customers learn from the, the journey we've been through um, yeah, and, it, you know, and it's quite a complex journey as well isn't it uh, Dan because yeah. there, there, are, there are so many measures for so many different things out there um, there's no one way to measure your carbon footprint there's no one way to offset so no. it's you know the, the amount of questions I get you know um, what, what can we do to offset uh, and, um, and what are the rules and there aren't any um, yeah and um, in one way that's an advantage because you can hand on heart say I I, I chose this method and we are now carbon free and this method uh, on another way it, it's a bit of a disadvantage because if your customer's using a different method um, uh, you, you know they may not recognise the way you've done it. And yeah. I remember somebody saying to me one time, right, okay, can, can we, we're thinking of moving to a different method of measuring it, but then you've lost all your historic data. Yeah. Because what are you going to measure it against? So I, I think, again, it, it's useful in this avenue for companies, perhaps the smaller companies as well, to be, to be talking to somebody else to say, right, okay, what would you suggest? Yeah. Um, this change is, is definitely coming. And, anyone who's going to get caught out is going to be left out and they're going to be left behind because the people who are quick to adopt these changes are going to be the people who are going to be successful. They're yeah, the ones you've, that are you've, going only, to... you've only got to look at plastics, haven't you? Um, and how yeah. plastics have been, have been hit and, um, and you think you need to adapt. Yeah, no, and, definitely. And the printing industry has always been in the forefront of adapting because of certain parts of its reputation. It's use of solvents, it's... You know the old adage that you know don't print anything off. You know even though we're, the two sides campaign will explain that there are more. You know all papers taken from managed resources. Um, you know there are hundreds and hundreds of football fields that have been uh, planted in Scandinavian forests. You know we're not taking all our paper from the, from the Amazon. Despite all of that, um, the view at home is oh no we shouldn't print an email. Yeah. Um, so the, the the printing industry itself has always faced that, those sorts of um, issues and needs to be at the forefront of changing its customers' minds. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I think, I guess to summarise, because I'm conscious that we've been wobbling on for about 50-odd <laughs> minutes. Yeah. I know most people use these podcasts as a way to 
to drown out the noise on their commute, but not many people have a commute at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I think to to summarise, then there's you know there's a lot of things that are on a hinge point at the moment that aren't aren't quite there, but we can expect to see happen. And uh, well, whilst whilst there's a deadline for the CCA for new applications, um, the energy market is up upside down it, it could go either way and it is real balancing act at the moment um and then the the sustainability part you know this being driven through the supply chain upstream to the manufacturers i i, I think we're, we're not far from that being widespread throughout certainly your sector yeah it's sure. definitely throughout a lot of other yeah. sectors so you see a lot of think, a lot of manufacturers and a lot of other businesses that announcing you know we're going to be net zero by this point and you, you see that coming through the media more and more yeah, and I, th- I think from the government as well, um, given they've got this really stringent net zero target by what year, Dan? 20... 2050. 2050. Yeah, really net zero by 2050. Really stringent target. You are going to see um, uh, policies coming down the line which is going to be pushing. They're not going to want to miss this target. Well, simple things, Steve. How do you heat your house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Combi boiler with gas? Yeah. Yeah, combi Unless, boiler, and it's it's a brand new combi boiler as well. Yeah, so it's energy efficient, but you're still burning a fossil fuel. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's, I'm it's not, not pointing more, the finger there because I'm the same. Yeah. But most households in the UK use gas as a heating and cooking source. Yeah. If we're going to be net zero, are the are the government going to have to offset all of that carbon, or are we going to have yeah. to completely change the infrastructure for heating in the UK? Yeah, yeah, and you know, that, that's just domestic use. We're not even talking industrial there, where the ceramics and the cement uh, and the steel industry are using masses and masses of gas. They're going to have to develop new technologies like hydrogen and you know different fuels. As long sources. as all these new technologies need brochures, need advertising literature, <laughs> need anything that's printed, then then there's a double-edged sword for this. Definitely. Right. As long as it's on recycled paper. <laughs> okay. Um, manage resources. Brill. I think I think we're we're getting on to another chat here that we, we could we could do another time. But um I think you know, Dan, you summarized there and um there's definitely lots to think about in terms of sustainability and you know, Steve, climate change agreements, you know, people need to get in touch with you. Um end of November. End of November. So um yeah, I'd, I'd you know I'd like to Go on, Dan, you were going to say Sorry, Alec, just to butt in right at the end, mate, um, I have a habit of doing that. As part of our ongoing relationship with the BPIF and being the supporting energy consultant to the members, we're offering like a, an energy and carbon health check at the moment. Um, so there's no upfront cost with it, but we'll effectively do a bit of an energy audit on your data, your invoices back six years and your consumption to try and spot any opportunities to save money or recover historic money, but also then how to reduce waste in the future. Um, so if anyone's interested in that, get in touch with, I think it's Mika. Yeah. Would it be Mika, Mika Steve? Yeah. yeah. Mika, Mika will redirect you on to uh, our team at Inenco, and we'll be more than happy to support because we recognise that at this particular moment in time, everyone's desperate to try and, make some savings or recover some old costs. So we'd be happy to support you with any of the members with that. Well, cheers, Dan. Um, so, yeah, just thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, and we, we welcome your feedback. If you do have any questions, you can email us at podcast at anenco.com. 
And if you'd like to listen to any of our previous podcasts, um, please subscribe at www.inenco.com forward slash the Inenco podcast. Alternatively, you can search for the podcast on Spotify and click subscribe. Thank you for joining us. Cheers, Dan and Steve, and speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you.